It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, master plan world. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's very cool to have so many of you out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing, which hopefully you should know by now uh, if you've been listening for a while. Now, last time we talked to PJ Jonas of Goat Milk Stuff about how she's grown her business up from the kitchen table to some impressive size whilst homeschooling her kids. I, I don't know how anyone manages to juggle all that sort of thing, but it was a great interview. Lots of tips and ideas in there. Well, well, well worth a listen. I know I say that every time, but honestly, I wouldn't be bringing you these interviews if I didn't think they were worth listening to. You can join the chat about that and anything else e-commerce in the Facebook group that you'll find via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook or search on Facebook for e-commerce masterplan world. This podcast is sponsored by DotMailer, the SaaS marketing platform that enables companies to create, test and send data driven automated campaigns, including email marketing. If you head over to dotmailer.com, you can get a free platform demo or a trial so to find out all about it. And in the resources library, you can also get completely for free the latest edition of the must-read Hitting the Mark report. It is an amazing tome packed with information on how to improve your email marketing. Now that is all at dotmailer.com. So uh, let's move on to today's special guest. Lindsay Cornelison founded Wines with Attitude in October 2014. It's a passion project that helped her escape the city of London. And it's been a steep learning curve over the last three years, but there's still a lot to learn. But the customer base is successfully growing at a steady 20% year on year. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. Nice to speak with you. Likewise. Very, very glad to have you on here. As you know, um, as our listeners probably don't, but as you do know, I've wanted a wine guest for quite some time. So it's really great to finally, in uh, in year three, get that, that box ticked. Um, I know. Anyway. I'm amazed you haven't had a wine business yet. So I'm actually very honoured to be the first. Thank you. I have tried, um, <laughs> but it's never happened. But anyway, look, I've just, enough about me and my podcast desires. Um, I've just given our listeners like the most ridiculously quick overview of you, Wines with Attitude and what you're up to at the moment. So let's take a step back. How did how did you go about escaping the city and getting into e-commerce? It, it, it's like you say, it really is a passion project. And I like that term, actually. Um, I had uh, a long and uh, well, pretty long and successful career in um, the city. I worked in client relationship management. So I was looking after customers for around 25 years um, in the city. And so I've always sort of, sort of had a passion about uh, good customer service. And when I was working, it could be quite stressful at times. And so many years ago, I went with my husband actually to night school. We both studied some wine exams, very basic sort of multiple choice exams at the time. They've since changed. And ever since then, there was a very dim and distant pipe dream that maybe I would do something in wine at some point in the future. And in uh, about uh, 2008, when the city was crashing all around us, 
uh, I decided to look into the follow-up to the wine exams that I'd done. And I forced myself out of work early one night a week to go to night school and study at the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. And I took the diploma, which I graduated from in 2011. And that diploma is considered the stepping stone to the Master of Wine qualifications. So it's sort of quite um, involved, if you like. It, yeah. it it was quite hard hard to do whilst I was working, but I'm so glad I did it because I felt that with my distant pipe dream, if I were going to uh, follow it, that I needed to have the backing of some sort of wine qualification because why would anyone want to talk to somebody who'd worked in the city for 25 years about wine? It's an interesting um, one, isn't it? Because a lot of people start their e-commerce business, maybe with a passion project, maybe something that, you know, they've just seen that opportunity, but they don't usually have to get qualified first. So it's, no. it's a bit of a longer, a longer route into it, isn't it? Yes, and I didn't have to do that. And in fact, when even when I decided to leave the city in 2013, I, was, I didn't think I will immediately go and set up a business. I took a little bit of time off to recover. <laughs> and then I started to think about what I might do. I looked at whether I might go and work for somebody else. And to be honest, I think I'd had enough of working for large organisations and the idea of just working with myself, well, for myself, if you like, and building up a business um, appealed to me very much because I'd been in the sort of corporate side of the city and actually, the whole idea for Wines with Attitude came out of my disappointment on far too many occasions with wines that I was buying in supermarkets and in wine clubs and online. And even when I spent more than the sort of average mm. price of a bottle of wine, which shockingly to me is only £5.56 still in the UK. And as I like to point out to people... Three pounds and nine pence of five pound fifty six bottle of wine is just duties and VAT. I so think, you're left. I think with I used to spend forty seven for wine. I think I used to spend about a fiver a bottle when I was at uni, and that was back yes. in the early two thousands. So that's you know, and that that wasn't good <laughs> back then. That was the you know that was that was student stuff. Um, okay, cool. So so then. Then at what point did you decide, you know, you're getting frustrated. At what point did you decide the, the way of solving this problem, the way of making sure there was good wine out there was to start retailing it and that online was going to be the option for you? Yeah, I what I did actually, and I would recommend this to anybody that is thinking of setting up their own business, is get out and talk to people. So I, I set up a company name which at that time was not Wines with Attitude. That, that name came a lot later. And I went to trade fairs and I just started talking to people. And I was very lucky that I met some very interesting people. I was also very lucky that the people, and this may be something about the wine industry, that the people were very open with me. And I met somebody who had also worked in the city who was extremely helpful. And I'm still in contact with him now. I do buy a few wines through him. Um, I was introduced to somebody by an ex-boss of mine from the city who's turned into a good supplier. Um, so just get out and talk to people. And it was only through doing that and doing backup research that I thought, well, you know, maybe I can make a go of this. Maybe there is a niche there that I can that I can fit. Oh, cool. OK, so let's let's dive into how it is right at the moment. Let's, let's tick a few boxes off for everybody listening. Um, so. Yes. 
You're in the UK. Are you purely selling to the UK? I am, yes. I, um, I I live in Hertfordshire and I work from home and I'm just selling online to the UK. And the reason why I can't really sell overseas is just the cost of transportation of wine is, is too high. So it's um, it, it just means it's, it doesn't make sense to sell overseas. That's quite nice sometimes, isn't it? It's like, right, the overseas expansion, I can completely yes. ignore that exactly. and I can just focus exactly. on everything else. Um, yeah. I always think it's quite nice when your business fundamentally shuts off an, an avenue because it means you don't have to worry about it. It's one less thing to worry about. And I have lots of things <laughs> going on at, the, at any time. So that's just one less thing to worry about. And then the product is, obviously we're talking wine here, but could you clarify that a little bit? Are we talking bottles, boxes, crates? Um, what's what's kind of, what makes your wine different? I, I sell wines by the bottle, but the, uh, the minimum purchase is six bottles just for transportation purposes. But um, the, specifically, they are good quality wines and they are in the 12 to 40, 45 pound price range per bottle, that is. Um, and they are sourced mainly directly from very much smaller artisanal producers rather than the large branded names. And the the reason for that is that, well, we talked earlier about £5.56 bottles mm. of wine, but the, the 5 to £12 segment of the market is covered really well by the supermarkets and specialist wine companies. And whilst they also cover the £10 plus market, what I found particularly frustrating is that they just don't give you any information on the wines. So you stand in front of a shelf or you're looking at a virtual shelf on, on a computer and you can just be totally overwhelmed because there are just pictures of bottles and the name of the wine. And if you don't know that wine and there's no information about it, then how on earth are you supposed to make an informed decision? So I try to take that pain out uh, and give lots of information on the wines. I try to tell a little bit of their story. I do write some very unique tasting notes. Um, and although people do taste and smell wines differently from each other, I try. I think it does give some guidance as to what the taste profile is going to be like. And those notes have been copied on more than one occasion by other people. Um, so- I guess you're going to take that as flattery. Uh, yes, you sort of do, but it can take quite a long time, so it's a little annoying. <laughs> um, and, and they are wines for drinking now. They're not wines for investment. So I sit between the lower end of the market and the the sort of the top end of the market where people are going out and buying cases of wine on Primeur every year. It's sort of that that mid midsection that I, I cater to. And it's just really trying to give everybody information to make their choice of wine easier for them I have to say I love the clarity of your market positioning you know thank you I think that's that's something we could all learn a lot from right the the supermarkets are doing five pounds to twelve pounds I'm not going to compete with them over over 45 pounds laying down wine whole other ball game we're not going to do that either we're going to look at the stuff you can order today be drinking by the weekend enjoy come and come back and get another bottle of that you're not going to find anywhere else that's at a very reasonable 12 pounds to special occasion 45 pounds i think very very clear and you know you've clearly given a lot of thought to what the customer has as a challenge in terms of those notes and the information they're being given in order to make sure they're getting the right you know, you're, you're solving that pain point as well. Yes. And I think, although I'm trying to think about what my customers want, it's also an experience that I had before I set up the business. I'd walk into a wine store and when I knew less about wine, I 
just think, well, where do you start? There's 30 bottles of rosé in this supermarket. I don't particularly like rosé, by the way, but um, but there are definitely some bad ones and some definitely some good ones, and you just don't know how to pick them out. And it's oh. not always a case of going for the more expensive one because that's bound to be better. That's not necessarily true. Cool. Okay, look, what's the, let's carry on with these these ticking off bits. Um, now, you're on a bespoke website platform? I do. I, I made the decision right at the start that, firstly, because I was selling sort of higher end products that I needed to have a very good quality website. And also because it was a passion project, I didn't want it to look like it was just a hobby that I'd decided to do on the side of being semi-retired or or doing something else. And the other reason was because I had absolutely no idea how to go about setting up a website. So I um, made sure that I, I, again, talking to people, I found my web developers that way and we have a great relationship and they have made me a fantastic website. I think it looks great and lots of people give me positive feedback, but not only does it look good, it's also very easy to navigate. And the most important thing is that it's mobile responsive. So you can look at it on any tablet and phone and it adapts to what you're looking at it on, which given the way the consumer is spending these days is is super important. Cool. And you've obviously you've got a very nice, reliable web team there. But what does the rest of your team look like? Are you doing everything? Have you got somebody you've employed or have you outsourced a few key tasks? I'm pretty much it. Um, My web developers do some changes. I try to do as many as I can to keep the costs down, but they will do the big the big changes uh, that need to change the website. My husband is a qualified accountant, so in his spare time, he uh, does help me out with the uh, the finances and and the the accountancy side and also with the tasting. And I do have some friends who help me with the tasting and sometimes get friends together and say, right, I'm thinking of adding these wines. Help me out with with tasting and what do you think? What a Um, nightmare for your friends. That must be. I know, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But apart from that, I'm it. I am head of sales, marketing, IT, Head of making the tea, um, and, uh, and do you do what? your own pick pack? Are you warehousing the wines with you, or if you you outsource no. that to yes. a warehouse operation? The way the way it works, and again, I learned all this from from a very very low base of knowledge uh, through talking to other people who were in the business. I keep my wines in a bonded warehouse, which means that I don't have to pay the duty and the VAT until I sell the wine. So that helps oh, with nice. the cash flow, mm-hmm. and the bonded warehouse packs the wine for me and they've now started doing deliveries for me. I was using an outside delivery company, but they were the bane of my life because they kept <laughs> boxes and losing them. So uh, the warehouse does a fantastic job for me doing that. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, um, it's often a good idea to go for a, go to someone who's familiar with your product for the warehousing, especially if you can get that little, uh, little tax, not you're, you're not avoiding paying the tax, but you can avoid when you pay the tax. Exactly. You're just deferring it until you've made the sale. So, um, which is, is really helpful for cash flow. Okay, excellent. Well, look, let's, uh, let's go on to talk about a few other bits and bobs about the business. Now, you mentioned in our, in our chat that you've got an app in production. Can you tell me a bit about the decision to do that and why you think it's going to be beneficial for the business? 
Yes, actually, it goes back to before I um, set up the business. I had an idea for an app, which I won't go into because it's still something I might add to my app. Um, And what sparked it was actually my bank very kindly offered to send uh, my me or me and other people with small businesses on a course at a company called App Institute, who are Mm -hmm. based in Nottingham, who... um, are a company that helps you set up an app without needing to know coding. And again, I'm not hugely technological, so it has to be um, an app like that for me to be able to do it. I had a great day with them. It was really interesting. Um, And they've helped me put together a really interesting app. It looks fantastic. It's got all the qualities, all the brand qualities they've taken from my website uh, and from the general branding and logos that I have. And it's effectively, it is an, a gateway into the website because my, my website is so mobile responsive. The app is just another route for people to get to it, but it will have other advantages as I develop it. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to add a loyalty program to it, which I don't currently have. Uh, other than in my head, I have one. And if I think somebody's been buying a lot of wine, I do occasionally do them a nice deal. Um, and that's where and, all good loyalty programs start, I think. Absolutely. Yes. I just guess at some point I need to formalise it. And the app will enable me to do that very easily, actually. Um, it's also a way of communicating because you can message people and you can send notifications out. So like most people know on their smartphones, you, you get push notifications come in from all and sundry, maybe news headlines. I will be able to do that and say, I've got an offer on on X wine today uh, and see if that's, uh, that helps push a few sales as well. So, yeah, it's just an added string to the bow. And I, I guess it was one of those things on my to-do list that would have taken me a long time to get around to except that I had seen this promotion that my bank was doing and thought that sounds interesting why don't I go along and spend a day doing that. So I'm guessing the idea between the app and from what I know about the wine industry is whilst you're not creating a wine club you do want customers who find who have you as their go-to like you're their specialist wine retailer on the high street who now happens to be online so i'm guessing the app's going to be quite a good way of harnessing those regular customers yes into you exactly again. i think it's more for, although i am quite focused at the moment on finding new customers and we we probably talk about that a bit later but it's more about looking after the existing customers and building up that uh, relationship with them through this messaging and just making it easier for them. They, the App Institute put up this astounding fact when I was there, which it sounds so basic, but I hadn't really thought of it like this. But when people are on their smartphones, which is a lot of the time, and we all know that there's, I can't remember the exact numbers for how many people buy through their mobile these days, but it is huge and it is growing. But 86% of the time that you are on your smartphone, you are using an app. You're not going through a Safari or another browser mm. to a website. You're using an app. And that really made me think, hmm, yeah, perhaps I ought to bring this a bit further up my to-do list then. Cool. And the um, I know that I've noticed online that you're currently, we're, we're way back in August, people listening. So this is, you can't get this right now, but um, you're currently running a subscriber only sale. So I, I'm guessing it's pretty important to you that the the best offers get given to the people who are loyal to you. I think so. And I think because I, I 
really started with a list of contacts of people I'd had through my previous job from the corporate world and the city who had, when I told them I was thinking of setting up a wine business, were all extremely uh, optimistic about it. I mean, every, everybody loves to talk about wine anyway. And of course, that's the first thing anybody talks to me these days when I when I see them, uh, which I don't mind whatsoever. <laughs> but um, I, I, I think they've all been very helpful and loyal to me. They were the ones on whom I tested my delivery service early on. I tested packaging with them and they sent me photographs back telling me that the box had collapsed or whatever. So actually, my early customers have been extremely useful to me and, and, and very helpful and very nice of them to have bought some wine as well, even though I did do them some nice deals. But I think, you know, they, they're the core of the business. I've got to look after them and I want to bring in new customers and I will treat them as well as I've treated the customers I've had to date as well, because I've, I have got this passion for good customer service. I, I am the nightmare customer of any business. Um, I have to say, just because of my background, and if I'm not getting good customer service, I will say to people, if I treated people like you're treating me in my business, I would not be in business. Always put yourself, I think, in the customer's shoes. Think about what they're expecting from you and what they want. Without your customers, you're, you're nothing. You haven't got a business. Oh, so true. So um, let's let's flip it to talk about that new customer acquisition then, because um, I know you've had some, from our from our chats beforehand that you've had some some nightmares with experts in inverted commas in inadvert. Oh, I can't say that. People know what I mean. I'm going to give up on that word. Uh, so you've had some nightmares with experts uh, specifically around kind of the areas of social media and SEO, which is one of the nightmare areas to uh, to find help in there's a lot of kind of snake oil merchants out there so if you've got any lessons from that that you could share with with our listeners to help them avoid similar nightmares I definitely have I I am I will admit straight away and I think you have to admit to yourself what you're not good at and seek help in those areas so true. I, I know what my strengths are let me just focus on those and where I don't have strengths get somebody in to do it although I am a new business so I can't afford to um, be paying a lot of people and outsourcing a lot of things. So I was convinced by a guy who was doing uh, some SEO and social media that he could do um, better than I was doing, which is certainly true because I really wasn't doing very much when I started <laughs> up. Um, I think the lesson I learned was that I have to trust my gut feeling. And I've always had over the years, I think, quite a, I get a good feel for people, but for some reason it didn't work. <laughs> with my SEO uh, experience and uh, what I learned was that it, we're, we're very much in a in a, a, a social media world a very modern world and it make, it's making me sound like some old fuddy-duddy which I, I really hope I'm not but people I think will oper operate differently and I wish now that I had got more in writing with him and that I had kept tabs, but what I was thinking was I've outsourced that. I've got a thousand and one other things to do. So I'm going to yeah. focus on that and let him get on with the SEO and the social media. And I'm afraid it just didn't work very well. I certainly saw no um, upturn in my business. I know these things do take time to develop, but it was just not working out. So trust with your gut feeling. Uh, and be clear about what you want and keep tabs on whether they are doing what uh, what you want to have done and what you've agreed to, uh, that they will do. 
So are you now doing those in-house or have you successfully found someone better? I to, am to do doing them in-house and I have amazed myself actually with um, my SEO. But, uh, I, and I'm, I'm keeping tabs very much now on where my keywords are coming out. And they, I'm definitely seeing improvements. I'm also seeing that it is a very slow process, but I am seeing that it's working. I would love to employ somebody to do it for me. And I ha- I ha- there are so many people out there offering help with social media and with SEO. And I think you just have to be very careful because there are a lot of people offering it, but not all of them are necessarily good. Yeah, and I think that in particular, those two are... They're the hard, I think they're two of the hardest things to outsource because, you know, usually when you're outsourcing, you want to be able to track someone on the deliverables. And it's mm. very hard to track, or it's very easy to track some levels of deliverables. I want you to write three blog posts a month for me and I want you to, uh, you know, do 20 tweets a week for me. But those aren't actually the numbers which lead to the success. You know, yeah. whereas, you know, if it's if you're outsourcing warehouse, then you pay X per square foot of storage and you pay X per parcel and you know exactly where you're at. You know, you know, everything's got to be shit within within a day and the numbers that you're tracking are the numbers which directly relate to the success. So I think it's very hard to outsource them on that basis. I also think they're very tricky to outsource because when, as soon as you outsource, you put a cost against it. And when you put a cost against something, you want to then be tracking against what in, income it generates. And the lead time can be so long on them and the ability to track the sale on them can be so difficult that I think it it just kind of, it, it just makes it really hard, even with the right people to outsource successfully. Yes, and there's, there's another angle, actually, which I found quite hard being a slight control freak, I would say I and also because it is, uh, if you like, a one woman business, I have my brand and my brand is really me and handing out social media to somebody else who doesn't necessarily know much about wine anyway is that's quite that was quite hard to do and uh, it was when I saw the same wine being posted on Twitter sort of three times in in a in a three-week period I thought that this this isn't this isn't right this this isn't good this isn't what I would do and, and and that's when I decided to call it a day with that particular relationship. But I'm hoping I will find somebody to help me uh, going forward. I still will do a lot in house until the business gets busy, uh, bigger. But um, certainly getting some help. And I was talking to somebody recently at a networking event who has said that she um, she will do an overview and then she'll send you away to go and do your SEO. And then you'll a couple of months later, you'll have another meeting and uh, and. and uh, Ah, so a nice bit of advice and accountability all rolled into one. Yes, yes. Yeah, because it, I think the other thing with those two is it could be very difficult to know what you should be doing. Yes, like, if you like <laughs> me, you're, you're starting from uh, zero knowledge. I, I don't even use Facebook personally, so actually running it for my business is quite interesting, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bit of a steeper learning curve than, than you yes. ideally want. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, well, look, I think it's time for us to go into the top tips round. Before we dive into the top tips, here's a reminder of our sponsor. Dotmailer is a SaaS marketing platform that enables companies to create, test and send data-driven automated campaigns, including email. The technology integrates with key business systems such as e-commerce platforms and CRMs, providing access to rich insights in real time, a powerful advantage in today's customer-centric market. 
head over to dotmailer.com for a free platform demo or trial. Now, I love the top tips round because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Lindsay, first up is the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I would recommend a book that was actually given to me when uh, I was thinking of setting up my business uh, by my husband, actually. He bought me Luke Johnson's book, Start It Up. And Luke Johnson is a, I would i would call him a serial entrepreneur. He's been behind Pizza Express. He's got lots and lots of uh, interests. He's, I think he's uh, in, got interest in patisserie holdings and in uh, Bread Limited, which owns the Gale Artisan Bakery uh, brand. But he's done lots and lots of things. And um, as I said before, you, you can find a lot of people willing to give you advice, but have they got the credentials to do it? And very, I also find people are always trying to tell me how I should be running my business. And then when you dig a little, you think, well, you've never run a business. So <laughs> where's your experience coming from? But Luke Johnson has. He's run a lot of businesses. And he admits that he has made mistakes, although he calls them setbacks. And uh, I always think it's it's good to learn from somebody else's setbacks and, of course, from your own when you make your own. And, yes, I have made some. So, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend it. It's, it's a nice little paper book, paperback book. It is very easy to read and you could read it on a Friday, definitely. Uh, but it covers everything and just gives you a little boost and a little bit of confidence. The subtitle is Why Running Your Own Business is Easier Than You Think, which makes it sound very easy I would <laughs> give it a hint of a warning it's not always easy um but it's uh, yeah great book he's a great writer as well he's um, yes it's a very I, I find his stuff is always really interesting you want to read it it's not like god I've got to read this book it's um it's always a kind of more of a want to read I find with his stuff okay exactly. the, the traffic top tip then which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves I would always support email newsletters, which I think they're still perceived as a bit old fashioned in today's world, but it does give you that direct connection with your subscribers. Um, I send mine out once a week, most most weeks, occasionally I have a little lapse, uh, in, in which case I usually warn people that I'm not going to be sending something out next week because I, I, I've had readers complain when they, they get to, I, I send mine out on Friday at three, but I think it's important that people find the time that works for your business and for your readers. But I have people emailing me saying, where's the newsletter this week? I've been waiting for it. Nice. <laughs> And I, I I try to keep them very informative. Um, I, I will send a sales-led one once a month, but mainly they are content-led either through the newsletter itself or as a link to one of my blog posts. And I've, I get compliments saying, people say, oh, I've learned so much from reading them. So the interesting thing, and this is why I think it is so important, is that very often on a Friday afternoon or Friday evening, I will get orders in. And they are not often for the wines that I have been talking about in my uh, newsletters. So I think it just triggers something in someone's mind to think, ah, I was going to buy some wine. I must put that order through. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is fascinating how often people don't buy what you're telling them to buy. Yet they do yeah. still buy. Just, you know, at the end of the day is the main thing. Um, so the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug in, a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? I um, 
I have something which I think is quite techie for me. Um, I find Google Analytics completely overwhelming. And so somebody told me about Quill Engage. And if you sign up at quillengage.com, you link it to your Google Analytics account. And it will send you a weekly and a monthly report by email telling you all the key figures about the activity on your website. Um, there, there are paid for plans as well. So you can actually have more reports or, or have more users. But the free plan is, I find, sufficient for me. And it just sends me a weekly reminder of how, how many people are looking at my page, how long they're spending there. And if I see something that I should be worrying about, then I can go in and delve deeper in Google Analytics. And I will still go into Google Analytics every two or three months and do the more detailed drill down into the numbers. But this is just, I couldn't believe it when I, when I saw the first report. I thought, well, this is just excellent. It just gives you a, a great little summary of what's happening with the, with the traffic on your website. That's awesome. I've never heard of that or a tool that would do that. So I am... That looks brilliant. And I will be going and checking it out pretty much if I can manage to squeeze it in between this one and the next recording. I'll be checking it out straight <laughs> after this podcast. And I don't think I've ever said that before on the show. So, so I'm glad to pass that one on. I can't remember who told me about it, but uh, yeah, I, I, I thanked them profusely when I found it. You can have a gold star for that top tip. Um, okay, the uh, the startup top tip then. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? I have to say this, I think, because of the way I've talked about my background and part of the reason why I set up the business, but it's, it's always put yourself in your customer's shoes. Whatever you're doing with your business, always think about how the customer is going to receive that or, or bear the brunt of the action that you're about to do. And is it something they would expect? Is it something they're likely to want? And even as well, or as well, be more direct and actually go to your customers and get feedback. I actually have done this a couple of times. First one was actually before I set up the business when I was still researching. I sent quite a long survey to all my contacts and friends and uh, that formed the basis of my business plan, actually. It was where do you shop for wine? Uh, how much do you spend on wine? How often do you shop for wine? And of course, I offered some wine as in, in a drawer for those that completed the survey and uh, a very lucky person got a lovely case of wine for that one. Uh, but it was the most useful tool um, to get that direct direct fees, feedback. And that actually it helped, helped me decide which route to go on various things like deliveries and writing tasting notes and all sorts of things. So putting the customer first, think about how they are going to be. And I think I, I like to think that I doing that does pay, pay its rewards because I do get very good repeat business. Um, so I think, you know, you, if, if you try and, and treat the customer as you would wish to be treated yourself, then uh, it, it's nice to see it rewarded with repeat business, good testimonials, that sort of thing. Marvellous. Well, at Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Lindsay, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Yes, you can find uh, my website is www.winesofattitude.co.uk. 
my app is actually out in uh, for Android and iOS, although I haven't officially launched it yet, but it can be downloaded. Oh, cool. It's called Wines with Attitude. Uh, on social media, I'm on Facebook at Wines with Attitude and Instagram, the same name, at Wines with Attitude. On LinkedIn, I'm. you can connect with me personally, Lindsay Cornelison, and you will see the spelling. I'm not going to uh, bore you with the spelling. <laughs> I, I do also have a company page, and um, I'm, I'm torn between which I should be using, so you can contact me through either of them. I don't mind. And I do tweet as at Wine Attitudes. Marvellous. Well, I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. And there you will also find out how to spell Lindsay's surname. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for being so generous sharing your experience with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure for me too. I, I think so many people helped me out. I hope I have helped somebody else out through this podcast. I'm sure you will have done and I'm sure we'll get some, some questions and bits and bobs going on in the Facebook group too. So, um, so a huge thank you from me and the listeners. Thank you. Well, everyone, I'm still somewhat blown away by the quillengage.com uh, tool recommendation. I have never come across something which does that before and I will be going and catching it catching up with it. So that was a tool which will send you weekly and monthly reports for free that highlight the key stats out of Google Analytics. And I know a lot of you struggle with Google Analytics. So um I haven't yet checked it out, so I can't entirely vouch for it, but Lindy was certainly very happy with it. So I would I would be very tempted to go and have a look, set that up, get it running, and it'll just just make sure you're on top of your numbers without having to it with it being a really lazy way to do it if it just arrives in that inbox. I think the other thing was was I really took from from my chat with Lindsay was the clarity she's got with her business. She did all that great customer research at the beginning. She really understands her customer. She understands which bit of the market she's going after, and that's defined by the product she's selling. And that clarity is what's getting her those great return uh, repeat purchases. And it's what's going to be helping her get more new customers and why she's growing at 20% customers year on year. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to uh, to have any questions about this, you want to join in any discussions we've got going on in e-commerce, then head over to the Facebook group. It's at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Um, and uh, I hope to see you in there. And have a great week in the meantime. And of course, keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.